Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes in multiple ways. You can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of the show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. And Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved Zero never tasted so good. So the stage is set for the Super Bowl poll. Yesterday was Conference Championship Sunday. The Philadelphia Eagles beat the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs outlasted the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll start with that, and obviously then we'll get into some Giants-related topics. I don't think it was that surprising, the outcomes, the top two seeds in each conference, meaning the number one seeds did advance, and that's the first time, coincidentally, since 2017 that that happened, which is when the Eagles did ultimately go to the Super Bowl and beat the New England Patriots. But we were talking about there was a bit of a separation, right, between both conferences, maybe no even doubt. more so in the NFC, and it played out that way. I think the unfortunate part of yesterday's games, and we start off in the NFC, is just the Niners losing Brock Purdy because of the elbow injury and then having to go with Josh Johnson and there was talk about maybe Christian McCaffrey would come in and run quarterback. Purdy ultimately came back in, but you could tell he just he couldn't throw the football. But regardless of that, I know a lot of people like to play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game. To me, the Niners' defense just had a really hard time slowing down that Eagles' rushing attack, specifically in the second half when they had those two lengthy touchdown drives. One thing to mention about that quarterback situation, and McCaffrey did take one snap, by the way, but there have been folks who have suggested, and I'm not so sure... Well, you know what? The more I think about it, the more I like it. You should be able to designate a third quarterback for the playoffs. Sure, that makes sense. And that guy, remember, in years past, before the the new practice squad rules went into effect and the COVID rules went into effect, every game you announced your inactives and then you announced your third quarterback who could only come into the game if the first two quarterbacks were injured. And once he came into the game, he had to stay. Unless he got hurt, then you'd have to use another positional player. You could not put one or two back in the game once number three took a snap. And that makes sense. There should be some restrictions. And you know what? Maybe maybe that's the way it should be because the quarterback position is so specialized. It just seems sinful and, and criminal almost that San Francisco should have been in that position yesterday. Because let's not kid ourselves, okay? Purdy goes out. All right, Josh Johnson, 15-year veteran. Whatever you think about his abilities, at least 15-year veteran in the National Football League. All right, I'll give him a sporting chance to at least allow them to try to compete. But then he gets dinged with a concussion, and now they're saying, oh, sorry, he's not allowed to play. So you're going to have to put your first guy who's hurt back into the game. How is that fair to Purdy, by the way? Well, I'm sure they asked him, and he said, listen, I could come in, I could throw short passes, I could hand What's off the gonna ball. What's he going to do, though? No, of What's course. What's he going to do? He's going to tell his coach, no, I'm not going back in? No, but He's going to look his teammates in the eye and say, I no, told him no? No, of course not. It's that toughness mentality. But I do think they were probably better off with Purdy than Christian McCaffrey. How many snaps do you think he took under center over the course of the last few weeks? No, I understand that, but it just seems to me that 
you know, there's a better way to solve this, and it would be to potentially have a team. And and this would be the whole season long, not just for yeah, the playoffs. I'm completely on board with To you. have that third inactive quarterback yeah. who simply is the emergency quarterback. You know, a lot of people don't understand this, but in the National Hockey League, and you may know this, there's an emergency goaltender who is actually at every building. And if a team winds up losing both of their goaltenders during the game to injury, there is a, quote, emergency goaltender, and he could be anybody. He, he, might, be, uh, he might be an usher. He might be uh, a goal judge. He might be, uh, you know, somebody else who's required to work the game, but he's had some goaltending experience, maybe only college goaltending experience. But he's, quote, the third emergency goaltender so that if a team should lose both healthy goaltenders during the game, this guy actually gets to go back into the dressing room, suit up, and will play goal. I mean... It's a specialized position. You just can't have somebody do it. Well, also, look at officials and officiating, right? They always have an emergency and sure. a backup, right? God forbid a ref goes down. In mm-hmm. NCAA college basketball, for example, there's a guy that sits at the scorer's table. Right. He comes in. God forbid somebody is impacted. So if they could do that for the refs, they could certainly do that for the players. I'm completely with you. Though, I'm looking through the Niners roster because as you're talking about maybe implementing the rule for the third quarterback— I was going to say, who would even be the third quarterback for the Niners? And I just confirmed my Do they suspicions. have a practice squad guy? No, they do not. They do not. Jimmy Garoppolo was the third quarterback, and clearly he's not healthy. Right. So it wouldn't have made a difference. In this case, the point no. is, unless you would argue, had they had the roster flexibility, they would have gone out yeah. and added. But, I mean, the bottom line is, Paul, I'm looking at the Niners practice squad, which clearly did not change between now and the outcome of the game, they do not have a quarterback on the practice squad. You have Trey Lance is on IR. Jimmy Garoppolo was right. kept on the active roster because, remember, they didn't know. They thought, hey, maybe he'll be ready to go come conference championship Sunday. So I think it's an interesting conversation for the future. It's worth discussing. And this is also a union issue too, Paul. Let's not overlook no that. No doubt. Okay, the union, it always is. But no, but that's what's bizarre about it because you would think the union would want an extra roster spot, right? That's good for the players. Yeah, you right? would think. I mean, you're giving another job to a quarterback. I don't think anybody would complain about that. So when the union's not going to go to bat for that, I think you have to take that into consideration because I think that says a lot about A, what their priorities are at the negotiating table. But like anything else, when issues come up, the previous year, you talk about it in the offseason and you wonder whether or not it's good to then move forward with a tweak. I, I was just looking here. John Brody's 87 years old, but I think, you know, he would have been a great pick to be their third emergency well, quarterback. Uh, last time I checked, Joe Montana and Steve Young are still around too. They could have made they are, a call. No? But, they, but, but I grew up with John Brody. Well, something tells me you were around for Montana and Young too. I was. And that was the heart of the Giants and the Niners rivalry, you could say too. So I yeah, thought, but I hated those Niners. Well, I'm not saying you love them. That's not my point. My point I is— I liked John Brody because the Niners weren't very good in those days. How many people within the watching and listening audience do you think can relate to understanding Well, if about? they're golfers, he became a, a pro on the seniors tour after well, he left the NFL. Perhaps we have an eclectic viewership. I'm just and they are throwing also it golf out there. Okay, it's just you have you know, Tim, You know, Tittle played for the Niners, too, in the late 50s. And they had Brody and Tittle, and they traded Tittle to the Giants so that Brody would become the starter. Is your goal, do you have a quota that you have to meet to name everybody who wore a leather helmet in professional football to be brought up at some point in this program? I just love celebrating the history of the No, and listen, I'm all for the history. It's just you, once again, have a knack for bringing Would you prefer Steve Spurrier? Obscure or Jim Plunkett? Well, Spurrier, How about that? Spurrier and Plunkett, I would say, are probably more well-known. To okay. The there you go. Because those are bigger names. Okay. Tittle is a big name. Don't get me wrong. Yes. I just don't think Brody is a household name. Okay, so but you'll far. buy Jim Plunkett. I'll buy Jim Plunkett. And Spurrier. Yes, I will Okay, buy good. But Matt not... Cavanaugh? No, Cavanaugh too. Okay, you'll you buy that up. too. I'll, I'll buy that too. Okay. But I think if you were to make a joke at the expense of the Niners, I think you bring in Montana and Young. Because, mm. well, let me ask you this. If you brought up San Francisco, <laughs> and who knows where we're going with this conversation. No, in all seriousness, you bring up the Niners, who, yes. and you say, name me a quarterback synonymous with that franchise. I'm talking about any fan. It doesn't have to be a they're Niners. They're going to say Montana. Who do you think they're going to bring up? Okay, that's They're going to say Montana. 
So that's my point. I know where you were going with the punchline. That's why I thought... At least you knew who John Brody was. Sure. I'm, I'm not glad. saying that. I don't know. I no, just, but that's great. I, I'm, thought, I applaud you for well, this. thank you. I'm going to pat myself on the back after we get done with this. You should. Program. I want you to know that. Yes. But in all seriousness, I agree with you. Third quarterback is something they should discuss because you don't want to put yourself in that position. But I do want to bring up, and I don't know where you stand on this, it's easy to say, well, if Brock Purdy was fully healthy, the game would have ended differently. Who knows? We don't know. Exactly. We don't know. There's so many different things that could have taken place, but the way that I look at it is here's how I'm operating. The Niners' defense, Paul, had chance after chance to get off the field against that Eagles offense, and they failed to do so. And you can tell me, well, the Josh Johnson fumble short in the field for them. I'm not talking about that. They had two touchdown drives of 75 yards or more. So whether Purdy is the quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, Josh Johnson, Montana, Young, Brody, you still have a chance for your defense to make a stop. And they couldn't do that. So the Eagles are still the better team than the Niners, no matter how you want to spin it with respect to the quarterback situation. Yeah, I think, to be honest with you, and I'm going to bring this back to the Giants, and I'm going to jump a little bit ahead of you here, Lance, because for me, the hook is this. Of the four teams who played yesterday, one of the biggest differences between them and the Giants, and you have to talk about this because it's how the Giants need to close the gap. Every one of those teams yesterday had at least one receiver who made a play above the X's and the O's to bail his quarterback out in a big spot. Every single team had one of those. Giants really don't have one. I mean, I I sat there yesterday as I'm watching some of these catches being made by some of these guys, and I'm saying to myself, wow, if Daniel Jones, and I'm not disrespecting the Giants receivers, but we know they are what they are, If Daniel Jones only had somebody who could make catches like that for him in those spots, how much better would his numbers have been? Yeah, and how much better would the offense overall be? No doubt. In terms of that. And maybe it didn't take until the end of the season for them to start to really hit their stride. T. Higgins made a huge catch for Joe Burrow. I know they didn't win the game. Smith made one for the Eagles. Correct. Right. Devontae Smith, though it turned out that technically yeah, it would have been incomplete. But they but pulled yes, it at off. At the time, and in they pulled it the play-by-play, it goes down right. as a catch. And Kansas City, I will say this. Marquez Valdez-Scantling made a lot of big catches, but something tells me, Paul, you're not classifying him in the same department as those other guys. No, but he he made he did. those he made kinds plays. of plays yesterday. Well, I guess so. I, just for clarification, your point is it's not necessarily the household name. It's just having a reliable guy that in a big spot can come through. Yeah. The reason I want to clarify that is because I think most people would look at MVS, and no disrespect against him, and you look at his ups and downs with the Green Bay Packers before he joined Kansas City, and they're like, all right, complimentary wide receiver. He was more than a complimentary, a complimentary wide receiver yesterday. Yes, he was the go-to guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, Kelsey did what Kelsey does, but no, there's no question who Mahomes was looking for in a big spot. Uh, when he didn't find Kelsey, he found this guy, number 11, on the outside. The thing about it is, everybody knows the Giants have a receiving core that has been sturdy, that has been functional. They've had guys make big plays on occasion, okay? But in big spots, I mean, you know, look at Ayuk for San Francisco, you know, look at Debo. They make they make plays for their quarterback. Sure. Yeah, they and, unfortunately and, couldn't make a lot yesterday. But yes, well, your point as it is turned well out taken. they couldn't. And that, yeah. and that's the thing. That's one of the biggest differences between the Giants and the top echelon teams. They don't have a guy who you can count on to reliably make a play above the X's and the O's to get you into a winning spot. That that's something the Giants have to rectify. Now you could tell me. The free agency crop isn't very good. You can tell me that the draft crop isn't very good. And for them to get one of those guys, they may have to make a trade. Maybe that's the way it's got to be done. But I will tell you this right now, and contrary to what Joe Shane said at the media conference last week when he said a lot of number one receivers aren't playing these days, well, he's right. But look at the guys who made the plays this past weekend. You you still have to be able to make those plays, even if you don't have a diva name. You need somebody who's going to do that when his quarterback needs it. No, your point is well taken. I think, though, Joe Shane is maybe operating more from the standpoint of it takes more than one star receiver to consistently win football games, which I think is a fair point. And then number two, when you do look at these last two teams, Kansas City, remember when Tyreek Hill was traded to the Dolphins, Paul, the big storyline this offseason was 
Patrick Mahomes is not going to be the same quarterback, right? How many mm -hmm. times did you hear that? Mahomes is going to fall off. Right. Tyreek Hill was his security blanket. And what did Mahomes do? Mahomes had more of the philosophy. I'm not going to lean on one guy in particular. I still have Kelsey. I'm going to spread the wealth. And there were games, if you go back during even this playoff run, Juju Smith-Schuster was the leading receiver. Right. MVS was the leading receiver. Mm -hmm. Maybe one game they leaned on Jarek McKinnon out of the backfield. They may do. So, now, is Kansas City a typical NFL team? No. They've been the poster child of consistency, right? They're going to their third Super Bowl in four years. So, I'm not saying that everyone's Kansas City, but I think Joe Shane, he's observant, right? He sees what's going on around the league, and he's of the belief that if you can develop young wide receivers, you can maybe get them to the point where they do become reliable options. For example, Isaiah Hodgins is a really nice building block, and probably one of the best stories from this 2022 campaign. Is Isaiah Hodgins A.J. Brown? Is he Jamar Chase? No, I'm not going to put him in that category. Can Isaiah Hodgins, though, the more and more he gets on the field, the more reps he gets, the more chemistry he builds with Daniel Jones, can he become a truly reliable option that you turn to in a big spot? Absolutely. I don't think that's a stretch, and I'm sure that Joe Shane and Brian Dable are thinking about that, but at the same time, they're saying, are we going to put all of our cards in that one deck and think that it's going to turn out like that? No. no. You need versatility. You need multiple options, but I don't think it should be overlooked that the Giants have a bare cupboard at this point where they've got nothing that they can tap into. No, no, I, I don't yeah. mean that at all. Like I said, no disrespect to those guys. It was a functional receiving core. They did what they could do, and they took it about as far as I thought they could. I, I, I don't know... Hodgins and Robinson, obviously the rookie who missed a lot of his yeah, year because of sure. injury. Obviously, those two guys have some more upside. I don't necessarily think they've got the ceiling, though, that some of the guys we saw yesterday. I mean, for example, you look at the Bengals, right? Higgins and, and Chase and Boyd. I mean, Boyd got hurt in the game and he had to come out. Yeah. But those three guys... Is it any wonder that Joe Burrow does what Joe Burrow does? Because look well, at the guys he's throwing to. Sure. Well, but you know what, Paul? How did they find... And even Hayden Hurst. Yep, the tight end. How did they find all three of those wide receivers you named? Well, Chase was draft. Higgins was draft. Keep going. Boyd was draft. And Hurst was free agent. Correct. But the three wide receivers were all drafted. Yeah. So, yeah, and I'm not saying you're anti-draft. That's not why I'm bringing it up, but... I don't think that you do have to go out and give up resources or make a big splash free agent signing. Well, I think it can be done through the draft. The Giants' best trio ever, ever, was Knicks, Cruz, Manningham. Yep. Right? All three of those guys came homegrown. Cruz was free agent. Knicks was a first rounder. Manningham was a third. Yep. So, But Cruz wasn't elsewhere. He started with the Giants' He was homegrown. They found him. Yeah. Homegrown. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I, Plexico and Toomer... You know, Plexico was a free agent. Toomer was draft number two. Steve Smith was number one. But Smith really didn't come back that rookie season in 07 until the end of the postseason. So I don't consider that trio like I do the uh, Cruz, yeah, Knicks, Manningham. To me, that threesome was the best threesome the Giants ever had in franchise history. So I'm not saying how you have to do it, but you have to do you it. You have to get him. No, I, I get that. So do you want to say X plus Hodgins, plus Robinson? Do you want to give me that as a trio? But who's X? They got to go get X. Yeah. But X, my point is, can be acquired via the draft. You don't maybe. have to go out and get A.J. Brown. That's my point. Maybe, now, AJ, maybe not. I don't know. I, mean, I don't a, know. A.J. Brown made a nice difference for the Eagles, but I also think the reason why Philadelphia went from being ousted by Tampa Bay in the first round last year to the Super Bowl this year there are a lot of factors. Oh, there it's are. not just the arrival of A.J. Brown. I think that's a small-minded perspective. Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts, right, took a step up no overall doubt. with his no game. No doubt. Devontae Smith, remember, was only a rookie last year, okay? So here's another guy that elevated his play. You had a healthy offensive line, which was critical. You had a very strong running game. And Jalen Hurts, another year as the full-time starter in the offense, a defense that brought in Hassan Reddick. James Bradbury, C.J. Oh. Gardner-Johnson. No, I, oh. I know you understand all of this. I'm not bringing it up to give you a life lesson. It's just I don't think that if you were to map out the storyline for the Eagles and you explain, well, why did they go from, once again, an early-round exit to a Super Bowl, if you're going to say, well, they went out and got A.J. Brown on draft night via trade. There's a lot oh, more no, that no, meets no the doubt. I totally concur. Yeah. I'm simply looking at where the Giants need to close the gap and how might they do it. That's oh, one of the gaps. That's one of the gaps they've got to close. Yep. And by the way, as long as you mention Reddick, 
I got to do this. I got to do this. I'm sorry, folks. I'm going off topic. Oh, boy. But for all the genius comments that Kyle Shanahan gets, how is it that you decide to block Hassan Reddick early in this game with a tight end? Reddick just, who, who had certainly a NFL Defensive Player of the Year kind of season. He was dominant. He was impactful. He was a very, very big force this year for Philadelphia. The most potent force in their pass rush. And you go into this game in that first quarter and you decide you're just going to one-on-one him with a tight end. Are you serious? That's where everything should have started. He's a headache player. Hassan Reddick's a headache player, Lance. How do you not have a better plan for him and then work around the rest of it? That's where it should have started. I, folks, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be quiet on this. I thought Kyle Shanahan made a monumental mistake by not taking care of Reddick in some way, shape, or form with a better plan than just putting a tight end one-on-one against him in the first quarter of that game. Because by the time that he got done wrecking the 49ers, the game was over. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that also happened early in the game. That's the point. So this idea that if Purdy plays all four quarters, the Niners would have been far more better position-wise. We don't know. It's not like they were moving the ball with ease against that Philadelphia defense, even with Purdy under center. And granted, I understand it's a small sample size, but I agree with you. I think Philadelphia outplayed the Niners in a variety of different facets. And remember, this is not a team that blitzes, Paul. Okay, Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator, correct. He says, I got my top four guys, go after the quarterback. They weren't bringing guys left and right, but they were getting the better of a Niners offensive line that also is one of the best units in the league. And they made changes on the interior of the offensive line. Brand new center. Remember, Alex Mack retired. They brought in Jake Brendel. They have two young guards next to him. It's really just the tackles in Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey. But that Eagles defense, and the Giants know that firsthand based on what they had to deal with in terms of that front. But they'll even test some of the best offensive lines in football, and that's what Kansas City is going to have to be concerned about. Speaking of the Chiefs, I just want to bring up a few other points with respect to the other conference championship game. Unfortunate how it ended for Cincinnati with the penalty, wow. but it was a legitimate wow. call, Paul. I don't it know about was. you. I have no issue. It was a late hit on Mahomes. Mahomes was out of Without play. Without a doubt. You got it all of a sudden come to a halt. I know it's easy to say, right, as a viewer. It is. But when the quarterback is out of play, do everything in your power to at least take your hands and put them behind Mm -hmm. your back. Mm -hmm. And even if you bump into him, okay, maybe the official doesn't have a reason to throw the flag. But when you're running full speed with him and you give him a shove and he's already out of play, that is the easiest flag you're going to find in football. I would only say this. I thought the the penalties were clearly one-sided in favor of Kansas City. Although in that last play, there's no doubt you had to throw the flag on the Bengals. And that was Joseph Asai, Asai by the way, who we're yeah, talking about. Who yeah. was in tears after the game, yeah. and understandably so. Sure. He did what he did, and he knew it. Uh, but I did think it was a one-sided officiating game, and I thought that the Bengals did everything they could to lose the game. Kansas City did not necessarily win the game. That's well, how I saw it. Well, there was a turnover. It didn't prove to be that costly. Then Mahomes, remember, dropped the ball on a snap. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there were a few balls that I think bounced a fortuitous way for each team. And Cincinnati was right there. They have probably been the toughest challenge for the Chiefs dating back the last two years. Oh, no doubt. I don't think I've found a better team that has gone mano a mano with the Chiefs and has pretty much gone down to the wire in just about every affair. The one thing that you can say indisputably is that Kansas City won the trenches. And that's not up for debate. Kansas City won the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And because they did, that's probably the primary reason, even though I do think the calls did not go Cincinnati's way, when you consider the fact that they lost both sides of the line of scrimmage. And that's just a cardinal sin. That's that's something you cannot allow to happen. Five sacks, 12 quarterback hits for the Chiefs. And Chris Jones had a pair of sacks. Remember, he had 15 and a half this season. Mm-hmm. The one thing that's interesting is both Hassan Reddick and Chris Jones, you know how we talk about you got to elevate your play in the postseason? Well, they did it. What those guys showed they in the regular it. season transferred over to the postseason. As if they weren't good enough. No, of course. But <laughs> if anyone had any questions about the numbers and can he do it again, well, they certainly answered that. And I'm glad you brought up the trenches because you go back to that Bills playoff game the previous week. The big talk was Cincinnati's down three starting offensive linemen. And they are going to be in trouble in terms of blocking Buffalo. And the Bengals did a fantastic job. They held up. 
Then all of a sudden, you now move the calendar forward. It's a matchup-based league, Paul, right? Buffalo is not Kansas City. Buffalo didn't have Chris Jones. Right. Buffalo had right. Von Miller, who was nowhere to be found because right. he was hurt. Right. So the point is, and it's very similar to how we were talking about, I want to bring matchups make fights. The Giants. Correct. The way we were talking about the Giants-Vikings matchup, very different than the Giants-Eagles matchup. Right. So I think in the AFC with the Bengals, that's the mirror image of what happened to the Giants. I agree. You could look great against Buffalo one week. Now you go against a team which is built very differently it changes the dynamics. Which is why everybody over the next two years or so in this division, the NFC East, has to look at Philadelphia as the litmus test. Because if you want to get by Philly to win this division, or you believe you've got to go through Philly to become the NFC representative, you've got to find a way to better match up against what they do really well. 100%. And it wasn't a coincidence that Joe Shane in his press conference, what did he bring up he brought up the record in the division mm-hmm. specifically because I would take it even further than Philadelphia I mean even Dallas which is strong in the trenches too you have to be able to win those battles and Washington right I mean with respect to who the commanders are throwing out there they got four former first round picks and I understand the Giants they played the commanders closer than the other two teams but the challenge still is right in front of you next season well, when the, you go defense, up against that group. the defensive fronts in the NFC East are four of the better defensive fronts you're going to find anywhere in the league. Yep. Let's not kid ourselves about that. So what do you have to do to match up better? Well, you already got the good defensive front. You need to enhance your offensive line so that you can better compete against those types of teams. Uh, Kellen Moore, what I wanted to say to you a second ago, uh, NFL Network is reporting that he is going to the uh, Chargers. Who got rid of Joe Lombardi. As their offensive coordinator. Mel Moore, of course, was just set free yesterday by the Dallas Cowboys. So that's one guy out of the division. And I thought that Kellen Moore had done a very good job of handling that Cowboys offense when you consider some of the injuries they've had at quarterback, at running back, along the offensive line. Even the receiving core has been turned over for the last few years. Yep. Um, it was hard for me, really. I know that they had to find a scapegoat in Dallas because they didn't go as far as they wanted to. But I was thinking when Kellen Moore got let go, he was not the biggest problem there. But in any event, he's now with the Chargers. Well, they've had a consistent offense. There's no doubt about that. There's rumors that Mike McCarthy now will take over play calling duties. But my guess is he's going to bring in those somebody to have the title of OC to help coordinate the offense. I find it hard a to puppet. believe that he's going to be the head coach. Well, listen, there are quality guys. I mean, Shane Steichen, for example, for the Eagles, last season he didn't call the plays. Nick Sirianni called the play. Sirianni gave him right. the play calling duties this year, and Steichen coincidentally was with the Chargers before he came to Philadelphia. So I think it really matters how much you empower that individual within your staff. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. A few reminders here before we open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. Make sure you go subscribe to the Giants Huddle Podcast as we will continue to have interesting guests all throughout the offseason. You can listen on the Giants app, Giants.com slash podcast. Giants fans, also take your fandom to the next level. Season ticket memberships stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. And Giants TV, it's the official connected TV streaming app. It brings you original video content, game highlights on demand, and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as 
the Giants mobile app. And a reminder that Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved Zero never tasted so good. Let's open up the lines at 201-939-4513. We check in with Cliff in New York joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Cliff? What do you got for us? Hey, guys. Thanks. Thanks for the rundown. Uh, especially good to hear that um, you felt uh, KC won the battle on the line of scrimmage on both sides. I hadn't heard anybody say that. Uh, that gives me hope uh, for the Super Bowl. Uh, you can tell who I'm rooting for. Anyway, um, I, I'm intrigued all year by the talk about the wideout. I, I, know, uh, I know we need it, um, but I've been focused on the trenches the whole year, and um, I'm just uh, and, and also on competing in the division. And obviously, uh, you know, we were having trouble with the Eagles before they got Brown and uh, even before they got uh, Devontae, uh, who we were coveting at the time, I remember. But um, uh, the, my questions are, you know, if we're going to really, really take the next step, it, it's obviously clearly focused on the division. And if we're going to do that, uh, uh, how, do we, how do we build the trenches on both sides? I, I know, Paul, you just said um, you think we're doing better on the defensive side. I, I don't know anything about the uh, rotation behind the two internal guys, um, uh, except that uh, I don't think we're going to see Jelly coming back. Um, so when we're doing that, uh, I'm, I'm looking for draft capital uh, on, the, on the front seven deep into the draft, uh, and I'm not looking for any uh, wide out yet um and uh, and i don't know how much of a ceiling we know that uh, hodgins has well i mean cliff i i wouldn't get so caught up in who they're going to target in what round because it all depends on how they have those players ranked for example you may want a backup defensive tackle that you mentioned because there are free agents behind the starters but that doesn't mean that the giants feel this draft class offers them someone of great value in the early rounds so they may address it in free agency they may wait till the later rounds whereas a wide receiver may be ranked higher on their board and that's why they go in that direction so remember the need and the value need to make make sense in terms of matchup wise it can't just be oh well we have a hole behind dexter lawrence so let's use our first round pick on that keep that in mind See, I would say this. D.J. Davidson, uh, who was a rookie this year and was, was out most of the season on the injured list, could potentially be part of the answer as the backup defensive tackle who could help out once he's healthy. And obviously they're going to want to increase his power quotient and put a little beef on him uh, going into next season. I don't know exactly what they think about his ceiling. I know they like him a lot. They think he's got big-time potential, but how high, I just don't know. Might that preclude them from going out and getting somebody else? I don't know the answer to that. But I think I think he's going to be part of the equation on the interior defensive line. And I think on the offensive line, look, I'd love to see them get a dominant, dominant interior player. Now, Feliciano was functional. I don't know what Nick Gates is going to want to do since he's now a free agent. And I know he really loves to play center, and I know he wants to be a starter. Well, if the Giants can't guarantee him that, he may find greener pastures somewhere else. I, I mean, it hurts me to say that because I love Nick Gates, and I'd, I'd want to see him back. But I just don't know if, that, if that's going to be the right fit for him or for this team. Now, I think Azudu... In his second year, we saw him some. I think he can be the starting left guard. I'm okay with Glowinski remaining the starting right guard. But you may very well need to go get yourselves a very big, nasty, son-of-a-gun center sure. to be the anchor of this line because Feliciano's a good guy, great teammate and everything else. But, you know, he's an average center in this league. He's not, he's not a top-flight guy against your top-flight competition. Well, remember, if you go out and get a big-time center, it's going to be costly. Well, so, you may have to draft one. Correct, exactly. I think that's more sensible because, remember, when we're talking about salary cap space, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, right. Julian Love, maybe give Dexter an extension before you know it. You don't necessarily oh, have a lot I know. Of money to throw I know. around for a starting center. But, yeah, you have some options. Josh Azudu is definitely a guy that they think very highly of and has player positional flexibility because he's been in a variety of different spots and Nick Gates is another guy that's appealing because he has 
positional flexibility. I think if you're going to go after an interior lineman, even if you have a spot set up for him, I like the idea that he can maybe play guard and center. You can move him around. I think if you're going to invest in somebody, especially either giving somebody internally a new contract or bringing somebody from outside the organization, I think they should be able to play at least three positions on the interior. Well, there's another thought along those lines. Uh, there have been some considerations since he got here of maybe making Shane Lemieux the center. Now, he's been hurt two years in a row. You know, do you, do you try to work him in? during the spring and see if maybe he can compete at center if Feliciano and or Gates don't come back. Um, they like McKeithen very much, who they drafted last yep. year, was on injured reserve the whole season. Do you think – now, I don't think he's a center. I think, you know, he's a guard, tackle, swing guy. Sure. He's not going to move into center. But the Giants have also made it clear, and we heard this from uh, the North Carolina coach, that maybe Azudu has a future as a center in this league. So, you know, we don't know exactly where the Giants stand with these pieces. They may have some combinations that they might want to tinker with. But as I sit here now, without knowing some of their inner workings as to where they might want to move guys, I would say they probably could use a real, like I say, son of a gun at center. And appreciate the phone call, Cliff. Thanks for giving us a ring. With respect to the defensive line, another name that we did not bring up, Nick Williams, before he got hurt, I thought was a guy that made his presence felt and you know maybe somebody you want to at least consider bringing back as a rotational player at least to provide some depth. He's a veteran who's been around. Once again, I'm not saying that that's going to be a splash guy that's going to break over the piggy bank, but you know we're talking about guys that could get snaps here or there. He was at least somebody that was a valuable component before, unfortunately, he was sidelined due to yeah. injury. Yeah, he got so, dinged up. And yeah. and he had one really, really strong season with the Bears a few years ago where I think as a defensive tackle, he had six sacks. And here's the other thing about the league, and I'm sure Wink Martindale understands this because Dex came alive in this department. When you have guys in the interior that get after the quarterback and give you some sacks, that is icing on the cake, Paul. That's why Dexter giving you seven and a half sacks, which was a career year for him, you yeah. get another guy who you can even rotate in. And I'm not talking about you need another guy that's going to give you 10 sacks, but you get five sacks out of another rotational interior lineman or you get six. I mean, that goes a long way. Look at the Eagles bringing it back to where this conversation started. You know, the interior of their line gets after the quarterback as much as the edge guys do. Yeah. That's how you get to 70 sacks when you have these interior guys win the battle in the trenches so easily, and they don't need to have a lot of room and space, right, to operate off the edge. Interesting you mention that, though, Lance, because for me, it's not even the sack number that I'm concerned about. It's the play against the run. Because when the Giants had Leonard Williams nicked up and he wasn't 100% or he wasn't even allowed to be in the lineup because they pulled him out with that stinger and stuff, well, you know, the Giants were hurting against the run because they would, you know, you could double-team Dexter, and with the two guys, you could somewhat eliminate him. And now you got a one-on-one -on -one matchup with a guy like Mondo or a guy like Jelly Ellis. And those guys didn't really hold up very well against the run. So for me, that third defensive tackle that I'd want to bring into the rotation, that's why I mentioned D.G. Day Davidson. They're thinking, they think that he's a, a run stopper. He's not a plugger because he's not a big, huge, wide condominium yeah, type guy. And he guy. wasn't a sack guy at Arizona State. That's not either. what he is. Yeah. But he's a very strong guy who's very athletic and is, is more of a run stopper. Uh, to me, that's what they need in there from their third defensive tackle, a run stopper, not even a pressure guy. No, I'm completely with you, but I think that it could go a long way to help depth. And if you, for example, when Dex was out, and I think this is what you were referencing against the Eagles— they took him out for a few snaps, oh. and the Eagles said, oh, you're taking Dex off the field? Yeah. Justin Ellis? Hallelujah. Yeah. They set off fireworks we on the sidelines. target you all throughout the game, and part of that was the run blocking that you were talking about, but also that completely changes the mindset of the Eagles' offensive line in pass protection. No doubt. now they're not worried about as much pressure they're going to see up the gut and it alleviates guys like Jason Kelsey at center. Let's head back to the phone lines. We got Hugo in New Jersey with us here on the line. What's happening, Hugo? What do you got for us? Hey, good afternoon, guys. Um, you know, you guys are kind of hitting on something I wanted to talk about, which is, you know, everyone gets really excited around roster building season, heading into free agency and the draft. But how does a team make a jump from year to year? Well, you know, 
there's three components to it, there are four, a draft, free agency. But uh, last week you guys talked about players coming back from uh, injury, which includes most of our rookie class from this past year. But, but if you really look at the strides the team made last year, um, the team improved because players from within improved. And I, mean, I don't know, Dexter Lawrence and so on. But look, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is seeing some improvement. I think there's a few critical guys that need to improve. Evan Neal is, is the obvious one. But, uh, you know, Kayvon, uh, I'm expecting to show a lot of improvement. He says he's going to be grinding, and I, I truly believe he will. I think, you know, Aziz Ojalari, he's got to get his body right and, and, and give consistent snaps. Um, and then, uh, if I can, uh, you guys named one of the guys, Azudo, because I think he has a lot of potential. And then, and then maybe you're going to kill me for this one, but I, I think even Joe Shane got excited when he talked about this player, is Cordell Flott, who could, you know, maybe fill in uh, the very valuable quarterback two opposite of Dory Jackson. Now, obviously, he's got to get on a program of milkshakes and weight training do that. But I see him as an outside corner, not so much um, yeah. a slot corner, because, you know, in the slot corner, you have to be more physical, and he does have his... You know, he's wiry. Not, he's yeah. wiry. He's wiry. He's got Slot, Slot can play outside corner in this league. I like his skills. Yeah, but the truth length. is, if Aaron Robinson's knee heals correctly, he's cornerback too. I oh. love Aaron Robinson. And so many people oh. forgot that he was even on this team. Now, that's an interesting point. You think he, if Slot progresses, you think you think Aaron would be uh, an, an ex, ex, uh, you know, outside a boundary corner? or? Oh, or, yeah, there's or no doubt in my mind. Was, Aaron Robinson can was, play cornerback, too, in this league. I guarantee it. Okay. Well, he was drafted, as, uh, as I recall, he was drafted as a slot, and he's very – one of the things – Don't I like him in the him. slot. He came up to the NFL, no? and they forced him to play some slot, and it did not work out well. I've talked to him about okay. it, and he knows he's a boundary guy. That's where he okay. wants to be. That's where he's most comfortable. And the Giants were forced to make him more of a slot guy as a rookie because they needed snaps in there. They had nobody else. That's not where he belongs. Yeah, but once Bradbury was gone, then the door opened to move Robinson to the outside. And then, unfortunately, he got hurt. That's why we saw you Fabian know, Morrow and so forth. But, again, we're, t- we're talking about a serious knee injury. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I've seen him in the locker room. Uh, he believes he's on track for the spring. But, you know, will he come back to what he's supposed to be? Yeah. You know, the yeah. Giants have a bunch of those guys between Davidson, Beavers, Robinson. Uh, you know, they got they got a, several guys who you need to figure out exactly what the injury situation is. Azudo himself, remember, had, had the injury. Yeah. I mean, I hope you, I hope they got you. some guys who I, I have some very high hopes for, but they've got to get medically squared away. And Hugo, appreciate yeah. the phone call. Thanks for giving us a ring. Well, he I mean, Wondell made, Robinson's another guy. Wondell Robinson, but... What the last caller named was what you heard me preach a lot during last offseason. What did I say? If this team was going to take the next step forward, it has to be an accumulation of multiple draft classes, right? Those players Mm -hmm. elevating their play. So, I mean, that's what he was really doing. He was echoing those sentiments. And I think the both of us agree, Dexter Lawrence is the poster child of that point. You want to see then other guys that you brought in. And it's not just – he named, I think, about four guys from the 2022 draft class. But you also want to see members from – the 2021 class and whoever's around still from any of the classes prior to continue to show an acceleration in their development because that's the way your depth improves because you feel that, God forbid, we lose one of our starters. If we could turn to a younger guy, we're in decent shape. And and that was part of the reason why the Giants were able to weather the storm this year, right, Paul? Because look at how yeah. many guys got hurt and how many young guys were forced to play as a result. Which is good moving forward because you may have not been guaranteed to give all those players those snaps had your regular starters actually stayed healthy. This is a fantasy statement, but I'm going to make it. If the Giants could guarantee the health of most of the young players from the last two drafts, they'd be a hell of a lot closer to closing that gap than a lot of people think. But the problem is you can't guarantee the health of most of those players. You just know because it's the National Football League and it's the New York Giants, a bunch of guys are going to get hurt. <laughs> okay. Well, the first statement I would agree with, it's the nature of the NFL. Okay. Yes. And that's the problem because, you know, they've got they've got a lot of really good players from the last couple of years 
who they would really love to see stay on the field because if they all max out, this team this team is a lot closer to being really good than one might think. Again, the trouble is you can't count on that. And that's where it gets really sticky because you know, once you start counting on guys to be healthy, you're playing a dangerous game. You just don't know. Especially ones that don't have the track record. Right, of because healthy. right. You're looking yeah. more at their potential. Correct. And they're not showing it yet because you think they've got it but the injuries prevent them from getting there. That's a dangerous game to play. Yeah. For example, Aziz now, he has multiple seasons that we're looking at where Great example. the injury bug has bit him. He's really good and but, has been very efficient in terms of the games he plays and the snaps he plays. He's very efficient. He makes a lot of plays when he's on the field. You can't argue with that. That's indisputable. But as I've always said, there's a value here that must be placed on durability. And if you're going to give value, and I always give durability value to like Eli Manning when I talk about his Hall of Fame credentials, durability is another huge plus for him. Well, you also have to take durability as a minus when guys can't stay on the field because they can't help you. In fact, they hurt you because that salary cap money you can't use for somebody else if they can't play. Yeah, they don't give you a waiver to no. then take that salary in apply it to somebody else. Sure. Yeah, it puts strain on the roster from a physical standpoint and a financial standpoint. I mean, let me ask you a question. Do you have any idea how good Ellison Smith might be? That was going to be the next name I was going to bring up, so you took the words out of my mouth. No, there's just there's not enough of a sample size to go by at this point. Now, the scouts loved him. We talked to Bryce Pop, who was his yep. pass rushing coach, coach in high school, uh, not in college, college, in college. Yep. He loved him, said he was raw. Said he was raw, but he thought he had all the tools to be outstanding in this league. And he gets here as a rookie, misses most of the year. He's hurt. This year he comes back, hurt again. We have no idea what Ellison Smith might add to this pass rush. And 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 now he's going to go into his third year. You have to start to scratch your head a little bit, right? Well, it's also show-me time, I would say, for a guy like right. that. Because if you're also Joe Shane... Not to say that every decision is riding on this, but you mentioned he's in his third year, which means that he only has one year left on the rookie deal. If you want to start talking about extensions or re-upping with guys, you got to see something in year three to give you some hope or start scratching the surface. And that's where all of a sudden you feel a lot better about what you're working with because Ellerson Smith is not a guy that's going to get heavy snaps, at least going into the season. No, he's a rotational guy. But if you can get him to stay on the field and give you some flash plays here or there, that does elevate the roster. All you want out of him is to be a rotational sub-package guy who was going to provide some impact out of that sub-package. That's yep. all you want out of him. A disruptive need, play here or there. Yeah, you yeah. don't need 75 snaps a game out of Ellison Smith if you have Ojolari and Thibodeau. You don't. But if you can get 20, 20 snaps a game out of him, right? 20 snaps a game, 25 snaps oh, a you'll game. you take that. You'd be very happy with that, especially if he can give you a handful of productive plays out of that. But it's it's now starting to get on me even. I, I really like the guy. He's a really good guy. But, dude, it's, it's, it's time, okay? you got to start giving them some production because they need it. Well, it's funny. I'm looking at 2021. I have the draft classes in front of me. We talked about three players who were consecutive picks in 2021. Ojalari, Aaron Robinson, Ellerson Smith. That was the second, the third, and the fourth round picks, respectively. And what is the common element with all three of them? They're Hurt. young. They have potential. Hurt. But there's just not enough of them being on the field. But you come into 2023, you get those three guys to stay on the field to give you production, that's where all of a sudden you're not thinking that's, about, that's good. hey, is this free agent going to pan out for us? It could right. go a long way. Imagine Same. how much that would help this defense if you could get those guys to be reliable players. Because those are three players on rookie contracts yes. that are not putting your salary cap in a precarious spot. And Ojolari and Robinson would be starters. Yeah. Smith would only be a rotational guy. Yeah. But all financially speaking, not yes. a big strain. And then, so we talk about those three guys. Then we move the calendar forward to 2022. And then if you're going to say Wondell Robinson will stay on the field, Joshua Zudu will stay on the field, 
you want to throw in DJ Davidson, who you brought up, and Darian Beavers. Okay, I'll cut it off on that because McFadden, more of a rotational player, and McKeith, and right. we don't know. But even if you take those four... Beavers was going to be yeah. a starter on this team this year. So you combine those four with those three. That's seven guys, Paul. Think about that. That's a lot of snaps. Yeah. If, 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 if... There's preface. If, if, yeah. if is a taller, taller word than the Empire State Building. Okay? If... All of a sudden, it's like the Giants are closing that gap, but you just don't know. Well, but the difference between making and missing the playoffs is all those ifs. Sometimes, no doubt. Right, in consecutive years. Because no if doubt. if turns out to be more of something that could be solidified, now you know exactly what See, you're working but now with. this is why when I look at the Giants and I say to myself, okay, where do they have to go get guys? All right? I'm thinking they may have some help on the defense with the guys we just talked about. Remember, even Dane Belton is going to be back for a second year, and he was banged up a little bit this yeah, year. in the early portion of the season. Okay, yeah. so yeah. so Darius Williams, another guy. I think he's got tremendous skills on the outside. He's got to improve his run support, but cover skills he's got. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, but what, what do they not have at all? I don't think they've got that receiver. That guy who plays above the X's and the O's, even if Wondell Robinson is healthy, that's not the kind of guy he is. He's a gadget receiver. He's a specific kind of the playbook receiver. He is not one of the guys that's making those plays yesterday in the playoff game. They got to get one of those. That guy does not exist anywhere in the building. Well, you could easily argue they may need two wide receivers. Yes, you could. I mean, Slayton's a free agent. He may not come back. Richie James is a free agent, too. Richie James is, too. There's a lot of guys. Sterling Shepard. We don't know what's going to happen with him. I mean, that's three guys we just named who dealt with some injuries along the way throughout their careers. So the turnover rate alone, Paul, may present itself where you get one in the draft, you get one in free agency, you get two in the draft. That could just be a position of need based on them moving on from current person. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Janelle, let's head back to the phone lines. We check in with, let's go to Ralphie in Florida joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Ralphie? Hey, Mr. Meadow and Mr. Patino, how are you guys? I Doing love right. show. What's on your mind? Well, I wanted to go back to something that Paul had mentioned earlier, because I've been feeling about this for the Giants for years now, and it's the position that touches the ball every play besides the quarterback is the center. And I think that if we had uh, a Sean O'Hara or a Bart Oates type of center that could just man that position and do all the protections and the offensive line as a whole would be so much better. Well, you have to look at it from the standpoint, as we talked about earlier, Resource-wise, they may not have the money, and I would say it's probably unlikely when you take into consideration everybody else to be a big player in free agency if they were to replace John Feliciano and go out and get somebody that hit the market. So I think if you wanted to draft somebody, that's a possibility. Or maybe you bring back Nick Gates, who clearly has experience at that position, or Joshua Zudu is somebody that you experiment. I would say those are probably the two most likely routes as opposed to somebody on the free agent market all of a sudden commanding a lot of money from the Giants cap and coming in? Well, if I was to spend money in the free agency, I think that would be definitely one of the positions I would look for, that and inside linebacker. But another question I had was about Daniel Jones and the transition tag that nobody really seems to mention much. No, we brought I up the transition a, tag on this show. How much is that at? About the $28 million? Oh, let's I'd have get to look that up, yeah. I mean, the numbers haven't officially been released. Yeah, it I probably it is 30, around there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought it was 32 for the fran- uh, franchise tag and 28 for the transition. Well, remember, all of those are projections, keep in mind, Ralphie, because they're not going to release those numbers until the new league year starts. They haven't yeah, no, of course, of yeah. course. So you're looking the at the be- previous numbers. Franchise is projected point- at 32.4, transitions at 30.3. Same ballpark. Well, it's not that much different. Yeah, okay. yeah. The point being, give them the transition tag, let them go get uh, offers from other teams, which I don't think there'll be that many in that neighborhood of a, of a ballpark of dollar figures. All and it takes is one, Ralphie. To, I'm sorry? All it takes is one team. You don't, you don't need well, five. Mean, they, All it takes is but one. They could also match. they could also match the offer. Sure, well, and, that's, and that's the appeal. The appeal, at least when Paul and I have had conversations right. about the transition tag, we're not looking at it in terms of the money. We're looking at it, you're telling the other members of the league to set the market for your quarterback as opposed to you outbidding yourself or competing with yourself. Right. That was our point. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because, I mean, ultimately we want the long-term deal. Would you rather base a long-term deal off the franchise value of $32 million or off the franchise of the transition tag at $28 million? You know what I'm saying? The, 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 the transition is supposed to be 30.3. Don't keep quoting 28. Yeah. Now, here, here's the problem. As Lance always says, it takes two people to make a deal. Well, what if, in his own mind, Daniel Jones and his people, by the way, he's represented by CAA, which is Tom Condon's agency, an agency which is well-respected through the league. They do fair deals. They're very smart, very, very studious. They understand the workings of the cap. They know how to be creative. Condon and CAA also handle the Manning brothers, just so you know. So I think the relationship between Jones's people and the Giants is already very good, and I expect that it will continue. So let me just get that out of the way, which is another reason why I'm optimistic a deal will get done. But what if Jones and his people have already said to themselves, it doesn't matter what the Giants say or do, we've got the right to go to free agency and entertain phone calls. No matter what the Giants offer, we believe that the player has earned the right as he goes into his fifth year of the NFL to at least take phone calls. So we will not sign anything until he gets the chance to answer the phone. You know what? If they decide to do that, there's nothing you could do to stop them. Unless you give him the franchise tag unless where you completely you, un- prevent un- Unless you yes. tag him. Exactly. And that's the only thing you can do. Sure. No, other than that, they have the leverage in terms of going out and seeing what's out there. And I don't know. You know, once again, we're speculating. Maybe the Giants have had some dialogue and saying, hey, if you want to go out there, but give us the respect to come back with whatever you're seeking. Maybe they have. And, and maybe there is sort of a handshake type of arrangement. Once again, I'm just talking out loud because this is the time of the year we do that. But that could be another scenario sure. that could very well play out. Sure. I, I could see Daniel Jones with his demeanor and his character absolutely offering Giants that chance. Yeah. I would think he would too. He seems to want to come back here. I know the Giants want him back here. So I think it's going to work. I've been telling people that since October. I feel very strongly about it. But that's not to say that it won't take a couple of twists and turns along the way until they finally land a deal. Well, I'm sure there could be some twists. 100%. And, Ralphie, appreciate the phone call. Thanks for giving us a ring here. I think the other thing that is important to understand, and only Daniel Jones and his representatives can answer this, but is Daniel, what's the motivation right now? Is it, okay, I'm getting an opportunity to get my first contract outside of being a rookie. I want to be able to maximize my value, which I would respect any player who thinks that way. Or am I thinking more of, okay, I've had a really solid season. I took a step up. Brian Dable is a big reason why. Do I want to even entertain the idea of going into a new offense with a new coach and a new coordinator and learning things all over again? And if that's not attractive to him, and he's more of, in the long run, I'll make more money by staying within the marriage with Brian Dable, then the Giants have a very attractive situation that they're in. Yeah. Because then Daniel Jones wants to obviously stay here because he knows in the long run that will help his overall career. And if that's the thinking, then I think the Giants are even in a better position, regardless the, of the The only fly in all of this ointment, because as, as we just said a moment ago, they could slap the franchise or the transition tag on them, is that they probably would like to keep that tag available for Barkley if they need it. Absolutely. And that's where, sure. that's where the Jones things get sticky. If you're the Giants, you'd like to get a deal with Jones without having to use the tag so Big that up. you have that as a possible option for the running back. Before the league year even starts. You exactly. You don't even want to think about it. Yes, because then you can start to target other positional needs. And also, here's the other benefit, Paul. 
If you have Daniel Jones on the books, whatever the length is, you know what you're operating with. No doubt. And how much the quarterback is taking up. So there is a big benefit in getting that done. And I think if you look at the track record and trend across the NFL, not to say that everybody is in the position of Daniel Jones, because most of the time when you have a guy, you probably give him an extension before he even hits free agency. But when it comes to the quarterback position, you usually try to get deals done sooner rather than later, as opposed to it taking up the bulk of the offseason. Because you know the quarterback's the biggest placeholder, Paul. Right? you got to get that number done. Always. Before you can even entertain any other spot on the roster. Let's head back to the phone lines. We got Big Ed in Maryland joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Big Ed? Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Big Paulie, Big Lance. All right, all right. Good to talk to you, man. How you been? So what's on your mind? Oh, good, man. Hey, look, I just got the breaking news, man. Check this out. For 2023's... um, Salary cap is now going to be 228. Did I got it right? 224, excuse me, 0.8 per club. That's up 208.2 from last season. That's the salary cap for this coming season. Well, and that's the trend. The, the trend is that the cap goes up every year, but I think what you have to understand that I didn't see any of those reports, so I'll, I'll certainly at this point take your word for it, but. Then salaries. Yeah, they just broke the land. Okay, well, they just broke it. Sal- well, who, yeah. who's who's reporting it though? Just out of curiosity. Oh, that was Ian. That was Ian Rappaport. Ian Rappaport. Okay, no, I, this way I can at yeah. least bring up the tweet so I could see what the financial figure is. But if indeed it goes up, you have to understand that salaries then go up with the cap. So agents then say to themselves, "Oh, well, if every team's getting twenty million dollars more, then that means that." The average annual salary of every position is going to go up. So my point is, yes, it's good news, but that doesn't mean that every team now has so much more spending money that they could bring in five or six additional players. That's my point. True, true. And then on top of that, some of them uh, have penalties because they went over the cap. So Well, well you can't go over the cap. You, it, that's right. impossible. You, you have to have your books in order by the time the new league year starts. Right. And if you have any cap space left over, you carry it over to next season. It's impossible right. to be penalized for operating over the cap because the league rules don't allow you to do that. Right. Okay. Well, look, um, I've been listening to you guys, and I'm like, okay, that's a good idea if we franchise um, Saquon. That's okay. It, but I look at it this way, it's like go ahead and do something like three years for Daniel where he gets like at least, I'm thinking like at least 15 a season. So it's like 45. So give him somewhere about 15. I would be stunned. That, that would be the bargain of the century, Big Ed. If you got an average annual salary of that. Barkley or Jones for 15? About, were you talking about Jones? You're talking about Jones, yeah. right? Yeah, no, he's talking about Jones. Yeah, yeah. That, You're gonna yeah. get a There's starting no quarterback in this league for 15 listen, listen, a year? Yeah, no way that's happening. What fantasy it. world are you operating <laughs> under? That's the Madden listen, salary cap, by the way, that we're working with right listen, now. Listen, it's the point of this, right? His first couple of years was rough, right? And he had different coaches, so now he has a better coach. We did a better season. He deserves something decent, but give it to him, you know, off the short. <laughs> Yeah, but because that, if he goes to the playoffs again in the next two season day, he can get an extension and then he can get bigger. But then let it be it's almost like to say he gotta prove keep proving it that he can be better. Well then the contract can get no, bigger. I, I understand the mindset, but from the player and the agent mindset, they will say, Well, if you let us test the market, I guarantee you we could find a better deal where we don't have and to prove ourselves. Will over again. So you got to look at it from that standpoint. And here's the other thing, okay? If you look at average annual salary right now, Big Ed, for quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. I don't care what you think of any of these quarterbacks. We are now into, you get outside the top 10, the average annual salary is $33.5 million. That's Jared Goff, okay? If the average annual salary for a guy outside of the top 10, and I'm not talking about top 10 ranking talent, just top 10 salary, then what makes right. you think in their right mind that any quarterback entering free agency is going to say, sure, I'll take half of that total average annual salary? It's just— That's that, not happening. That's not how NFL finances work. <laughs> it just—it it doesn't. I, I, it may be a great yeah. thought on your part, and I'll give you creative 
bonus points for that, Ed, and I got to let you go on that note and appreciate the phone call. Yeah. But there's no, no way problem. that uh, that is going to come to fruition. I can tell you right now. Look at it this way, okay? You you mentioned golf. Uh, Wentz is at 32. Ryan's at 30. Tannehill's at 29.5. I think that's more realistically those numbers right around the 30 mark. Yeah, but that's still double 15. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 and, and I don't want to get into the finances because no. they'll figure it out. Sure. Well, we're just giving but, you numbers that realistically see, exist. But I all. personally, and I believe this, and I've said this to people, I think that when you break up the NFL quarterbacks, you know, into quartiles, Daniel Jones is in the upper second quartile, which means 9 to 16. He's not in the top 1 to 8 quarterbacks in this league. I don't think anybody would say he's that good. But between 9 and 16... You can talk to about 100 people, and they'll probably put him in different portions of the 9 to 16. But he's somewhere in that second quartile. I think he's more in the upper part of the second quartile, but that's going to put him probably in the range of about $30 million a year. Yeah, and the agencies and the players, they see these numbers because it's right. for public consumption. Right. So, I mean, that's, I think, more of a realistic number in terms of the salary. And just real quickly, Tom Pelissero and Ian Rappaport are reporting $224.8 million per club for the salary cap. That's up from $208.2 million in 2022. It was, remember, due to COVID, 182.5 in 2021. But salaries are all relative to the cap going up. All right, that is going to wrap up. Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Greatly appreciate everybody tuning in. A reminder that it is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved Zero never tasted so good. And Big Blue Kickoff Live. Today's episode, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. We'll be back up and running again on Tuesday right here at 1230 p.m. Eastern. Have a good one. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainer, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.